Climbers, indie artists, songwriters. The music industry is predicted to grow to $153 billion in eight years. What does that mean for you? Today, I'm going to give new predictions that you better pay attention to because let's face it, I, I can't even believe this myself, but I haven't been wrong yet. <laughs> Welcome to the climb! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music industry. Leverage is what you're going to need to get ahead. You don't need anybody's permission to find your audience, to start generating revenue, and to become an artist that other people know about. The problem is you do have to do it yourself, but that is, well, it may seem like a curse to you, actually a blessing. We're going to talk about some of that today, by the way, so so make sure you listen to this one. Um, that's why we called it the CLIMB, C-L-I-M-B, Creating Leverage in the Music Business. That's a Baxteronym from my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter, who is not only a dear friend of mine, but also a hit songwriter. And he has cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady A, Joe Nichols, and more. Got a couple Southern Gospel number ones in the last uh, 18 months or so. And what I love about Brent is he helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you write like a pro, do business like a pro, and on the regular, he gives you opportunities to close the loop to create the full perfect circle with relationships by getting you in front of the pros. You can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinnell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. As you know, that's complicated, but as you may or may not know, Johnny is smart. So you're going to find out more about that this episode. So anyway, if you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That is production singular, no S. There is no S because there is no other. Johnny D. Hey, Johnny. What's happening? Man, I'm just uh, I'm just basking in the glow of Johnny always being right, dude. I know. I specifically <laughs> remember. Listen, I'm gonna admit this. I own this. I, you, you know me. I'm a humble guy. But when it's right, it's right. When it's an observational fact, it's an observational fact. I think I could be off on the time here, but I think it was like at least three years ago. Mm-hmm. Maybe four years ago, we did an episode where I talked about at the same time that the music industry had declined from $75 billion a year to $15 billion a year, that gaming, electronic gaming, blew up to mm-hmm. $150 billion a year. And I said, when we get through this transformation, uh, the music industry is going to skyrocket past the best years we've ever had in terms of revenue. Mm-hmm. And and become bigger than it ever it ever was. And lo and behold, I'm right. And we're going to talk about that today. But before we do that, let's yes. take care of a little business. Join the Climb community on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Climb community. You have to ask t- to be let in, but we let everybody in. And we try to do that on a regular basis. Sometimes it might take a week. So just don't stress out. You know what I mean? It's just we're going to get you in there. I promise we're going to get you in there. But this is songwriters 
indie artists, indie musicians, singers, and different people just helping each other out, creating co-writes, creating relationships. You can find information there. I'm sharing. When I find something that's newsworthy that I think that's going to be valuable to the climb, I put it in there. So do a lot of the climbers. Uh, so does Brent. Uh, it's important, you know, to, to, it's, a, it's a good repository for you to be in that, that, you know, can maybe be like a filter for all this stuff out there. So we find the real important stuff. But um, we want to hear about your gigs. We want to hear about your wins. We want to listen to your music. We want to do all that. All you got to do is just remember this rule. Put it in the right place. That's all That's you right. got to do. Do we got some wins today, Brent? Oh, we always do, which is awesome. So every Wednesday we post new heights. That's in our private Facebook group, and that's where we encourage you to share your music-related wins for the week. That way we all know where they are. We can go there. We can celebrate together, and, and it gives you permission to talk good about yourself because we want you to. You're invited to. So, And it's outside of that, then it's spammy. But when it's inside of that, it's jammy. So we love it. All right, so Patrick Adams says uh, the song that we, the, the Amigos 3, wrote with uh, Brent. I don't know who that guy is. Uh, is getting another look by a publisher. So shout out to Brent, Brad Hacker, and secret agent Chris Tiscarino. Chris is a secret agent because he's not on Facebook, but we love him anyway. So <laughs> good job, Patrick. Um, let's see here. Michael Parker got an honorable mention in the American Songwriter Magazine July-August Lyric Contest winners. And Congratulations, so, Michael. Michael. And I, I looked it up. I clicked through the link, and it's a cool title. I won't give it away here, but it's, it's, a, it's a neat title. So good job, Michael Parker. I mean, we got a bunch of them, so I'll just pick another one or two here. Buddy Lee Daubertine said, I finished a song with David Lee. And so for those of y'all that don't know, David Lee is a hit songwriter. He lives back in Texas now, and uh, he's just written some really cool stuff. So he finished a song with David Lee and got kudos as a writer from him. Got another write coming up with him. So that's cool. And let's see here. Another one, last one we'll do today is Carrie Cunningham. Just got another cut coming out June 25th. So it will be out by the time this episode drops. And it's with a group called Pontiac Alley. And I'm not sure. I think the title of the song might be The Simple Things, or at least that's a new album. So I'm not sure what the name of her song is, whether it's that or not. But anyway, go check out Pontiac Alley, and you're going to hear a good Carrie Cunningham jam. So congrats <laughs> to all of y'all. Good work, and keep on climbing. Congratulations, y'all. Yeah, absolutely. I love mm -hmm. it. I love it. I love it. Follow the podcast or subscribe to it, whatever platform you're on. Leave a rating and review on iTunes just because let's get as many as we can before they stop rating and reviews. And finally, most importantly, tell a friend about it. Let somebody know. If it's adding value to you, then it can add value to somebody else. Help us help them. And if it comes from you, it's 100% true. If we That's tell right. them, 50% true, right? That's right. All right. So let's get into this. Let's just talk about yes. how how smart I am. And believe me, the smarter <laughs> I am, the more money y'all make. I mean, that's just what it boils down to, right? Because that's what I want to be smart about. <laughs> so, it's a direct relationship, not inverse. It's just direct relationship. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So you want me to be smart. You want me <laughs> on that line. You need me on that line. <laughs> that's funny. I have so no Here's the long and the short of it. Uh, prior to streaming, yeah. Uh, and I posted this article. There's actually two different articles that came out about this same report from Goldman Sachs. Mm -hmm. I posted them in the climb community. Another real good reason to make it happen over there uh, to join up and find out what's going on. But prior to streaming, the music industry at its peak, when everything was firing on all pistons and it was all puppy dogs and ice cream and blah, blah, blah. You know, the golden years that everybody seems to lament and miss and, and want to reminisce about. It was a $75 billion a year business. It's a pretty big business. 
It's pretty big, um, yeah. Currently, as of right now, the industry has surpassed that already at around $81 billion a year, give or take. That's mm-hmm. where we're at right now, okay? And Goldman Sachs has predicted in this article that I shared that it will blow up to $153 billion a year by 2030. Ooh. Or another way to say that is in just eight years from now. Okay? So if you're reading about this and you're kind of going in deep, uh, you'll see that, you know, if it's music business worldwide or if it's digital music news, that there are some people that are kind of poo-pooing this, saying Goldman Sachs is too bullish. They have a real vested interest in saying that this is going to be bigger and mm. saying that it might be actually bigger. What they're saying might be bigger than the reality. But the delta between what the people that are poo-pooing it, this article is saying and what Goldman Sachs is saying is less than, well, it's like $22 billion. So they're saying it's probably only going to be $131 billion. As which opposed to 153 almost, billion, which you know, is still almost twice the previous high up until like current high. Yeah, and so yeah. so my point is this: like as the industry was forced to deal with the disruption of the internet, which is, I mean, think about how freaky that is. A lot of people that listen to our podcast, Brent, don't know what life was like without the internet. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, they're in their 30s. Like it's. <laughs> <laughs> they were born. <laughs> they were born uh, in their twenty yeah. thirty. They were born, and the internet was here, baby. Yeah, they don't know what you know, dial up like, was. Yeah. They don't know all of that, and how many different industries had were forced to adapt because of the disruption of the internet and and the kinds of powerful players that came to be because they adapted first. I'm thinking of players like Michael Dell. Mm-hmm who was the first first guy to he came right out of college making computers for his buddies in his dorm room and in 10 years became the biggest computer maker on planet earth because he was the first one to say you got to come to me if you want the good stuff you know he didn't mm-hmm. go through the normal distribution business model which is the way it's always been done it's the way we've always done it he said i'm going to set up a storefront on the internet and then come to me I'm going to sell it direct. So I'm going to sell my thousand dollar widget for guess what? A thousand bucks as opposed to having to sell my thousand dollar widget for $500 to distribution and hope that they give a crap about it at the sales desk where the consumer actually comes in to purchase it. Mm -hmm. That was huge. And, And in seven years, he becomes the richest Texan surpassing generations of oil money wealth you know f u oil money (laughs) yeah that's a lot okay that's how impactful it was you had uh travel agents disappear overnight Mm -hmm. literally disappeared overnight and all of a sudden expedia comes out and these you know kayak and these different portals these different dashboards where you can actually buy your own ticket online and you're doing business direct with the service provider you're you're directly doing business with american airlines or united or allegiant or whoever you're flying with and mm-hmm. and you're getting you know all these different prices and you can pick different there's all different places to go to get different deals well guys there was a time where you used to have to go downtown or make a phone call to a travel agent to get that done that's right and yeah. all that changed overnight but the music industry was insulated it was insulated because when the internet came out, there was still only two choices to listen to music. You listen to what you bought or you listen to the radio. Mm-hmm. 
and radio was the huge marketing pipeline that broke artists. And that's why I was insulated. So as, as if you can imagine this, you know, we had the ping in 1999 with Napster, which was a pricing ping. It wasn't a marketing ping because there was still only really two choices to listen to music. Yes, we had Pandora, I think maybe then, but it was just on desktop and it was just so new. It just wasn't convenient. It, it hadn't developed yet. And so really radio was king mm -hmm. still through the 2000s. Okay. And it wasn't until we came out with the iPhone, the smartphone in 2007, y'all. Mm -hmm. Spotify's invented in 2009. It doesn't come to America until 2011. And it took six or seven years for it to kind of work its way into the public lexicon to be embraced. And guess who was fighting it the whole way? The record industry, right? That's right. And fighting the very thing that has now doubled their, that's going to double their best years of business ever. Mm. Uh, of course, they're not fighting it anymore. But as the industry was forced to deal with the disruption of the internet, just in the last five years, okay, and that meant, what does the disruption of the internet mean? That meant that all of a sudden we have streaming now, all the catalogs are streaming. So streaming music over purchasing physical product, which is the way that the industry was set up, it contracts 80% from 75 billion a year to 15 billion a year around 2016 or 17, maybe 2017 or 18, give or take a year. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the, but what I saw, what I predicted was that streaming creates incredibly affordable access to music catalogs, which creates exponentially more music consumers, which is mm -hmm. why the business is going to grow the way it's going to grow. Because you just had a lot of people who liked music, but not enough to buy the record. Mm -hmm. That's right. They just could listen to the radio and they're fine with that. But uh, now to the listeners, to the climbers here, to listeners of this podcast, to Brent, to you, to me, I don't get it, right? I'm just like, how can you not buy the album? Like, what? Because we right. love music so much because it touches us so deeply. Mm -hmm. We just can't understand that. But that's the reality of what happened. But now, all these people, because convenience now of streaming, they're going to pay a subscription and they're going to stream music because it's so much more convenient and they can pick whatever they want, whenever they want. And it's right there at the touch of a fingertip or literally the call of your voice and you, and you can manifest whatever music you want to hear. So there's way more people now that are paying to consume music than there ever have been before, which is why this is going to blow up. The thing about the other thing about streaming is that it creates a consumption method that consistently generates revenue which has never happened before. Now, why does that matter? Because prior to this in the, in the world of physical product, let's just take, let's just say you're a Bob Dylan fan, Brent. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're a huge Bob Dylan fan. I mean, the, the, the top 1% Bob Dylan fans yeah. and you have purchased every single record, every single box set, every single, everything mm -hmm. that, that Bob Dylan has ever created and you own it. That's stuff you spent good money purchasing. We're talking hundreds and hundreds of dollars, maybe thousand, mm. uh, maybe over thousand dollars worth of 
a product from Bob Dylan because you love him so much, even though you already own that music, when you want to listen to Bob Dylan, what are you going to do? These days? Yeah. Almost um, pull it up on whatever device. I just tell uh, my friend with the female name that's always listening on the kitchen counter, hey, go play Bob Dylan. Yeah. You're going to stream it. Yeah. You're going to stream it, right? Yep. So even though you already own it, because the convenience factor of mm-hmm. streaming is surpasses the monetary displacement in a sense, right? Like you're mm-hmm. perfectly happy to pay 10 bucks a month to get whatever you want to get or even $15 a month or even $20 a month. It's worth it to have, you know, basically, I mean, 20 bucks a month, guys, is like the same as buying one CD a month but you have access to everything. And right yeah. now that's double what most people are paying. So it's, it's actually, you're paying less for convenience in a lot of ways. Usually convenience. Well, yeah, well you're getting way more. I mean, the value right. is a huge amount of value, right? Because you're right. getting way more for paying something as opposed right. to having to pick a favorite, right? Which yeah. is what you used so, to do when you bought physical products. So it's like the opposite of the convenience store, the gas station convenience store. You pay more because it's convenient. You're in and out. It's right there. This is like right. the opposite. It's very convenient, but you're paying much less for what you're getting. I mean, I have a, I have a CD rack that is out here in my office with me and I have no CD player at my office. I got to like hook an external CD player on my laptop and use my you know crappy laptop speakers. I want to listen to one of these CDs. The one right. of my car doesn't work. It's had a Merle Haggard stuck in it for two years. So, yeah, it's so way more convenient to pull it up. So stream. what that does, but every time you stream, every time somebody pays a monthly subscription, it, it generates revenue. So all of a sudden mm-hmm. now all these catalogs, which were worth a lot of money prior to streaming because of sync, right? You could sync mm-hmm. those and – they could, you know, the bigger songs could regularly generate millions of dollars a year, hundreds of millions of dollars a year if you're the Beatles, right? Like in sync revenue. But now it's just their fans, all their fans who've bought all those records are now creating billions of dollars of revenue with a B every quarter, every mm-hmm. month, because they're streaming their favorite songs and that's on their playlist and they love it. And every single time that happens, it generates money. So on one hand, did the streaming payout suck? Yes. But on the other hand, this is a really important move for the industry and for art and for music because we have so exponentially more people paying to consume music and the the benefit is going to far outweigh the BS on the cost right now and the are yeah. what you're getting paid by the streaming services. And uh, again, that will change. Okay. Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. I'm going to give you one more thing, and then I'm going to get into my predictions. Okay, you guys want to hear my new predictions on what's going to happen oh. here? Yeah, mark so, to take. Mm-hmm. Because the reason I want to kind of dive down on this streaming thing is because one of the reasons that this the business has jumped so much is because companies like Hypnosis have, with Merck Mercuriatus, and uh, there's a few other big ones out there, have created – essentially investment portfolios based around predictable income, the predictable income of streaming catalogs. Mm -hmm. So in the same way that you would buy stock, let's say in general electric or Apple, because you have faith in this company that they know how to innovate. They know how to create products. They know how to deliver to market and they're going to generate revenue and they're going to generate a profit. You're betting on the consistency of cash flow through that brand. That's what that stock is about, right? That's why that Mm -hmm. becomes more valuable. The more stock you buy, all of a sudden music now has become this kind of an asset class. And all you're hearing about is the biggies, right? Like, you know, the $400 million deals with Bob Dylan and Mm -hmm. uh, things like that, you know, hundred million dollars for this and that. And everybody's like selling off their catalogs because the, the price tag is so high. They're set for life and their families are set for life. And, and, mm-hmm. and hey, good for them. You know what I mean? But this filters down to you too. So here's my new predictions. All right. So we're talking about an industry that's, gonna, that's already surpassed its best years at $75 billion today. We're beyond that. We're beyond that. Uh, we, we beat that already. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about the next eight years, it's going to blow up so much that it's going to go to 153 billion, which is double the best year. And that was actually the number that I freaking used, you know, because I based it on this, the streaming, the gaming industry number, mm-hmm. right? It's going to be easier than ever. Prediction number one, going to be easier than ever to make a decent living rivaling the revenue from the good job, not the stepping stone job, but the good job some of you artists have right now for every indie artist who understands how to run a business as well as, as be a compelling artist. Yeah. Okay. So not everyone is an entrepreneur. Not everyone has the talent required to run a business. That's a separate skill set. Yes, for sure. Okay. And some artists suck at it, Mm -hmm. Uh, but some artists, 
they learn, right? They become a student of the game and they learn how to at least be mediocre at that even, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, self-awareness is the key for you artists. Uh, either learn how to run a business, to, you know, get pursue that itch, scratch that itch. Once you decide in your heart and in your mind and in your soul to say, I need to learn how to, this is a survival skill. I need to know how to do this. Then mm. believe me, the, the teachers, they say, what is it? Confucius says that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. All right. the teachers will appear. You're going to mm. find content that pops out of you left and right that your brain is ignored because it just wasn't relevant and personal to you. But when you make that internal shift, it'll become relevant and personal to you. Okay. Mm. Learning how to run a business means learning how to delegate, learning how to put a team together. Understanding the market, not being delusional, right? right understanding yeah. operations, understanding budgets, understanding deadlines, and understanding marketing. Mm -hmm. Okay? Or if you're the kind of artist that that just is never going to be your story, then team up with somebody who does. That's right. It's okay to just be an artist, but if you want to be a successful artist, if you want to make as much money being an artist as you do on your job that's making it all happen now and paying the bills for you and your family, then you're going to need someone on the team that can run a business. So mm -hmm. self-awareness matters. And this is a very, very big thing in all businesses with all entrepreneurs, like understanding your role. Too many entrepreneurs try to do everything themselves and they're not willing to let go. So, you know what? I'm this brilliant innovator. I suck at selling. So I need to split part of my business and bring in this sales guy who's going to make the miracles happen after I make the miracles happen. Right? There's yep. two miracles that have to happen. Um, <laughs> Oh man, and even know that, right? just some of the other stuff. I mean, I've been, you know, I've brought Ren, my son Ren on board to to start doing stuff for me. And I was hesitant at first. I'm like, yeah, well, I don't know, you know, how because he's very experienced in, in the ways of the world and stuff. Obviously, didn't know anything about the music business, but just started bringing him along slowly doing, you know, and he's doing our podcast editing, which really takes more of your plate than it does mine at this point. Uh, but it's still good. Thank God for him. Yeah. And, <laughs> Uh, but then he's he's doing more stuff for me, and as he gains you know skill sets, I'm like, oh, now we can he can do some more. And now I'm looking at at stuff that other people can do, so I can focus more on what only I can do or what I enjoy doing more. And hopefully, that's just going to be compounding interest that he's taking. Well, stuff there you go, and yeah, it's, it's you know that's an, it brings up a really good point, Brent. Like another vegetable, so I can eat my dessert. <laughs> that's right. Another really important business lesson is understanding very clearly what your highest and best use is, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, back to that story about the lawnmower. When I lived in California, I'm making boatloads of cash in the mortgage industry. I bought my first house. And so all of a sudden I'm with a buddy of mine who is, uh, you know, makes five, $600,000 a year selling jets, Hawker jets to mm -hmm. middle Eastern or not middle Eastern, uh, central American countries. Mm -hmm. And, He's, I mean, just a total sales guy like me, just a great guy. And he, and I'm looking through talking about lawnmowers. He's like, what are you going to buy a lawnmower for? I'm like, well, I got a lawn now. I just spent 15,000 bucks on a lawn back there. I got to make sure it's heavy. He's like, yeah, why would you do that? I'm yeah. Why would you do that? I'm like, because I got to mow the lawn. He's like, why would you do it yourself? 
Yeah. You know, it doesn't make any sense. Like, he's like, did you ever figure out, Johnny, did you ever take like your last year's tax returns and break that down hourly? I'm like, no. He said, well, how much is it going to cost you to, to hire somebody to come and do your lawn every week? I'm like, here's what it's going to cost. He's like, okay. And then we went and we did the numbers on my thing. I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah. I'm expensive as a lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, overqualified. I mean, he, he, yeah. Yeah. He's like, even if you are totally laid out on the couch watching football while that guy's mowing the lawn, that's time well spent for you. Mm-hmm. And you need that downtime. But if you're pay, if you're your hourly right now is this amount of money. And if you're mowing the lawn, that's what you're paying somebody to mow the lawn. You know, it's cheaper yeah. for you to, <laughs> well, it's, to it's do funny it that way. So understand that what's your highest and best use and try to yeah. bring in other people, you know, the book, the four hour <laughs> work week dives into this a lot about just, and other things like virtual assistant by um, Chris Ducker, I think, and virtual freedom, I think might be the book, but, uh, about hiring virtual assistants and outsourcing so much of your life that you can to people. It's funny, like, you know, there are companies like out of India that you have your personal assistant that work a lot cheaper because of the uh, price differences, the cost of living differences, yeah. you know, versus a U.S. person. So over in a developing country. And, you know, so I'll email, I guess I have a virtual assistant. So I'll email like, hey, order, you know, get flowers for so-and-so who's sick or go, you know, order this thing online or whatever. All that stuff, just outsourcing as much of it as possible because it's cheaper to do and your time is more valuable spent at your point of highest contribution versus the like the menial tasks. Like, right. Where you're creating, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing that actually generates the revenue for your business, you yeah. know? And along the way, you're pay, helping pay somebody else's bills. Isn't that beautiful? Somebody else gets paid and you're contributing more and that way you can actually hire more people. But anyway. That's right. That's, That's right. right. Okay. So prediction number two. All right. So first one was songwriters easier to make a good income. That's number one, right? Yeah. Number one, it's going to be easier to make a good income, but you're going to have to learn how to run a business. You're going to have to learn that marketing matters. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I mean, just the basics, it's just the business basics. And a lot of artists don't have that. I think you've been kind of misled on that. Mm -hmm. It's just not the reality. It's never been the reality. Uh, mm-hmm. it's art. You, it, you're going to have to get out there and you're going to have to spend money to get it in front of people. And when you get it in front of people, if it's good, if it's compelling, they will respond, but not until they see it. You right. know? So what's the next prediction? All right. Next one. Songwriters and indie artists will make way more money in web 3.0. Mm-hmm. So web 3.0 is blockchain. Okay. Okay, and we've already got so many things happening now. I'm working on NFTs with Ronnie McDowell, and we've got there's just companies popping up left and right all the time. You know, figure this out. Don't be as lazy or as what's the word I want to use because I like to use harsh words. Complacent, maybe that's not as as no. You know, just don't be as freaking lazy about Web 3.0 as you were about social media. <laughs> yeah. 15 years after social media, we still have people that are like, I just don't understand this Facebook's mumbo jumbo. It's like, oh, my God. Right. Get it together because mm-hmm. this is where it's going to happen. Right. In one form or another, it's going to happen on digital. Social media is a great way to do it now. It, a lot of that's going to be filtered through Web 3.0. And it, it's it's a decentralized system. So. 
all the money doesn't go to Spotify first and then to the labels and then to the artists and then just to major label artists and then distributed to you, right? right. Like you're, you're not last on the totem pole. You're first on the totem pole in Web 3.0. Understand how it works. It's scary. It's weird because it's unfamiliar mm-hmm. and it's going to take a lot to get your head around it. But don't give up. Keep going down that road because the sooner you adapt and understand what that is the more money you're going to make and the easier it's going to be to create a steady cash flow to pay your mortgage, to go on vacations, put your kids through college, all that stuff. Amen. So know what that is. Okay. Don't be adverse to it because Mm -hmm. it's unfamiliar. Embrace it. Eat the challenge for lunch. I know that this is oxygen. Web 3.0 is oxygen. You need oxygen to live. Uh, If you have to, if you're underwater, and you don't have gills, oxygen's not going to come to you. <laughs> right. You're going to have to go to the oxygen. So this mm. is Web 3.0. If you don't want to drown in the music industry, see what I just did there? I if you don't want to drown in the music industry, you are going to have to find the oxygen to breathe. Mm. It's there. It's not rocket science. It's sophisticated, but it's not rocket science. And trust me, you're smart enough. Have some faith in yourself, okay? Number three, new tastemakers will arise in the marketplace. Entities that have large audiences, tons of traffic, will will continue to emerge playing the role of, of, you know, the the role that we formerly love and the role we miss of the DJ, Mm -hmm. right? That's, That's a trusted source turning you on to new music right now it's a little wild west because we're, we're we're still we're lacking some things in this transformation that's already in the midst of this i'm just gonna say it shit show that mm. the music industry is right now when it comes to digital okay they're making more money now than they've ever made imagine yeah. what happens when we get our crap together you know <laughs> yeah Imagine what happens when we actually all figure it out. It's you guys, this is going to be, uh, it's going to be so cool and it's going to be so good for the art. All right. There's going to be no watered down, sterilized corporate crap that you're forced to listen to. It's going to be good music. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the more that we have these entities that arise, that become trusted sources to, to turn large audiences on to new music that this trusted source believes is good and worthy, it's going to create more market penetration, right? That's what's lacking right now. Market penetration. We've got plenty of great artists out there. We're sucking at market penetration. (laughs) Number four, if you read Bob Lefsitz, he's, he's right on point as always hits are getting smaller now. Brent, you can relate to that, right? (laughs) Yeah. Hits are getting smaller now, smaller in their reach, Mm -hmm. smaller in their place in, I I just, for lack of want of a better term, their place in society. I mean, there are hits we grew up on that always mean something to us because it was on the radio. It reminds us of a certain summer Mm -hmm. or, you know, a certain thing, whatever. That that sort of visceral connection, emotional connection to to hits is is becoming less and less. Now it's going to be that reminds me of freshman year. Now it's going to be like, oh, man, that reminds me of that one afternoon while I was having coffee. Yeah. Because that's how long it was a hit. 
Yeah. So, so the hits are getting smaller and the money's getting smaller right now mm-hmm. for a hit, right? Like the number ones are up and down super fast, even for the hit songwriters, uh, you know, a number one hit used to generate a lot more revenue for a songwriter on radio than it does right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I believe I'm predicting they're going to get bigger and make more money once the industry, which includes you indie artists and indie artists are a huge component of this new music business economy. Once the industry, including you guys begins to revert back to marketing fundamentals on their digital promotion strategies. Okay. Right now the industry is focused on viral content. It's mm-hmm. all about a home run derby. If, 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 if for a major label, if your song doesn't go viral, it's a failure. Right. And I, I liken it to this football analogy. Uh, the way that the industry has always looked at terrestrial radio, if we liken it to football, it's a game of inches. It's a grind. They will fight their way down the field, just moving the ball just enough within four downs to get a new set of downs, a new first down. Then we keep going. We keep pushing. We can see the end zone off in the distance. And we know if we continue to grind, mm-hmm. we will get into that end zone or get real close, right? Right. When you compare that to the way that the industry looks at digital promotion now, it's like the Hail football Mary. all the time. Yeah, yeah, they get their they get the ball on their own 25, they th- they hike the ball, they throw a 75-yard bomb on first down and if the receiver doesn't catch it in the end zone for a touchdown, it's a failure, and they walk off the field, even though they got three downs left. There's no right. fundamentals to the way that they're marketing on digital. It doesn't even compare to the way that they market on broadcast platforms. And so mm. when, you know, when we figure that out, there will be more market penetration. When there's more market penetration, the hits will get bigger. That's mm. the bottom line, okay? Very so cool. number five. And this is the last one here. Investors who normally would never touch the music business have already begun to get into the game on uh, at the big level with the big music catalogs, right? So you're talking like huge investment firms like Blackstone, okay, who would never, ever, ever touch anything in the music industry because it's so hit and miss. There's nothing predictable. There's no data. It's just an insulated little little business over here all of a sudden and, and i encourage you guys to go listen to the bob lessett's podcast specifically the merc mercuriatus interview when he talks about this like they just couldn't it, it was hard for them to sell this because they're trying to say look this is predictable revenue predictable revenue this is what you want this will make money well mm-hmm. they've done it they've done well with it in the last couple of years and now everybody's on board so people who had who would normally have no business getting into the music industry as investors are now investing in these, in these catalogs because they will always return money. Well, guess what? It will also begin to happen at the indie level for you. Okay. And, and it makes sense is why this prediction is going to come true. The numbers don't lie because the numbers can't talk. So, Normally, an investor in an indie artist is somebody who knows the indie artist, who's in love with the artist and is willing to risk some 
some cash that they have to some some discretionary income to help this artist out because they just love the artist and they want the permanent yeah. backstage pass. They believe well, in the well, art the and they want to be connected to it, but now people can do it because they're like, because I'm going to make money. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, now, I mean, now because we're going to have – what, what, you know, when we when we settle down into that focusing on market penetration and we start creating predictable wins. OK, doesn't mean every artist is going to make it because sometimes artists don't want to. Other things happen. Right. right? Mm-hmm. But it, it, over a pool of, say, 10 or 20 artists, the, the return on your investment is a lot more predictable. It will become a lot more predictable in the very, very near future than it is right now mm-hmm. and so you're going to find other investors coming together and saying hey and they're gonna you know they're gonna when they feel they can diversify their investment over many artists via like an indie label that knows how to market digitally that's going to happen it's going to come true and so access to capital for you is going to be easier in the coming future because the returns are going to be bigger and they're going to come quicker back to web 3.0 it's going to be instantaneous instead of a big long nine month wait or one year wait to get your cash okay awesome all right guys that brings us to the end of another killer climb episode make sure that you subscribe to the podcast make sure you join the climb community tell a friend about it this podcast exists because we want you to win so keep on climbing and we'll see you at the top It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.